Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. How in the world did we get here? Uh, it started with uh, when I was I had just first got here and started some visitation uh, routines. I got to meet Mrs. Betty Herring, Donna's mother. She was beautiful and uh, just a joy to meet with, and uh, we would go and visit with her and. One day, Philip walked in, and he had finished working out or coming from a Bible study or something like that. And so that's where it started. And then uh, I started seeing him in the gym and started feeling like I'll never be able to live up to him. The man's an animal when it comes to the weights. But, uh, no, through, through Miss Betty and Donna and then some of my life experiences, we began talking. And uh, he's been such an encouragement to me, and I know he's going to be an encouragement to you. So come on and share, Philip. Well, I have to tell you, it was like walking into family this morning with all you, all you firemen that are here. Man, that really blesses me that you're here today. And I thank you for coming to hear this testimony. And uh, I just want to give glory to God in everything that I say and do up here today, because without him, this would not even be possible. And we know that without him, we are absolutely nothing. And uh, and I was definitely nothing before I met him. Um, I just have to say about Pastor James, he is a true shepherd. I know one when I hear one. And um, there's plenty of preachers out there, but this man cares for people. And that was obvious when he was uh, visiting my mother-in-law, which is how all of this started, right? He coming into our house uh, to visit Betty. And a lot of you know Betty and Betty's best friends here today, Janice. And uh, so that's how this all started taking place. Not only that, is my family's been in Homeland Park some of y'all remember J.D. Brooks Shell Station down here on Main Street. That was my uncle. My aunt was secretary here at this church years ago. And uh, Donna's family has been in this church. And uh, Preacher Neil led her daddy to the Lord. And if anybody on, I think Preacher Neil could lead the devil to the Lord. <laughs> and that was pretty close. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was a tough sale. It wasn't me to do it. You know, sometimes... You know, you can, it's hard to witness to family. And, uh, but I'm so thankful that Preacher Neil came down there and uh, got him to uh, accept the Lord Jesus before he went on. Because it wasn't far off then. So I'd like to start this morning with scripture um, before I get into my testimony. Because this scripture really is near and dear to me. And it's in Romans chapter 5, which Romans is my favorite. But if I was on a desert island, that's the book I'd want the book I'd want to have with me is, is Romans. And we're going to start in verse 6. It says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He really didn't have any else, anybody else to die for. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is an amazing statement. Much more, I love these words when he uses much more, then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Much more, you know, he loved you while you were a sinner, enough to die for you, and now much more. And and these words really don't even get close. It's just like love to the millionth power is what he's saying here, how much more he loves us now that we've come to him. This is an amazing love that's described right here. You know, Paul calls us enemies of God before we come to salvation. And uh, 
You know, we we hear these war stories about how a uh, soldier would throw himself on a grenade to protect his his comrades. But you never hear of a soldier throwing himself on a grenade to protect his enemies. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He took their grenade. He took mine because I was definitely an enemy of God. And the whole thing about that is you can't see that when you're lost. Yeah, You have to get on the other side of the cross and, and God opens your eyes and you start to look back. And you just see how much of an enemy I was towards God. So much so that I even cursed God. I cursed him with everything I had when my best friend Terry Stowe died. He was my assistant chief at Homer Park Fire Department. He died at 32 years old. And I didn't understand anything. I was lost as a day as long. And I cursed God with everything that I had. And yet he still saved me. And that amazes me that you could actually do that. You could actually curse God and he still love you. And but that's him. Uh, we can't we can't even wrap our head around this love that he has for us. And I'm so grateful for it. He still saved me. So you can't see these things. And likewise, so you know, when you get on the other side of the cross and God starts showing you where he was at when you were lost. It's likewise when you're running with the devil like I was. He doesn't show you how deep, how far, how wide the destruction that you are doing can stretch. I never saw any of that when I was doing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, bad decisions. Anybody ever made any bad decisions? Am I in the right place? Wait a minute. Didn't nobody raise their hand. <laughs> Just check and make sure I'm in the right place. So there's two ends of the spectrum. You can't see God at work, and you can't see what you're doing, how much destruction that you're causing. That's called being lost, by the way. You're stuck right in the middle of that being lost. And uh, I was completely lost. And this led to me to my demise, and I call it my demise because I can't blame this on the devil. I mean, I can blame it on myself because I'm the one that made those choices. And many of you know that I was chief for a couple of years at Homeland Park Fire Department. And uh, during that tenure, the last year, I embezzled almost $30,000 from the fire department. And that's what I couldn't see, that I was stealing your money. Where do you think fire departments get their money? They get it from the community. And I want you to look at this. I'm standing in front of people. I stole their money. I did. I stole, uh, and he couldn't see me that. You know, he, he, he didn't show me I was robbing the community. I didn't even think about it. I couldn't see that I was destroying my character, my home, my family, until it all come crashing down and it became harvest time. Because every man reaps what he sows. And um, it got really ugly. It got really ugly. You know, I couldn't see that I was destroying and betraying the trust of 27 men who put me in that position, who voted me into that. And I'm going to tell you all something. I like to kill me. Just that alone. There was one year that I was the only person nominated. That was very unusual in a fire department. I was a good chief making bad choices. And um, the one point I really want to make here is the man I'm describing is no longer alive. That's for one thing. I have a new life now. You know, my life wasn't worth saving. A lot of people says he saved my life. No, he gave me his. He exchanged it. Nobody's life's worth saving. That's what makes this thing he did at the cross so magnificent. But. The one thing, another point I want to make here is the man I'm describing, my parents didn't raise. 
I was raised in church. I ran from it like a lot of kids do. As soon as I could get a job, I made sure I worked on Sunday so I didn't have to go. But then we were made to go to church, and my daddy was a Bible uh, teacher all my life. So it wasn't about a broken home. It wasn't about anything. It was just about making some bad choices. And uh, I praise God. They're both gone now. But I praise God that he saved me, and they got to see it. Because I know it was my daddy's prayers. And one prayer in particular that I'll mention here in a minute that uh, actually brought me, brought me to God. Prayer works. And I think I'm still living out my dad's prayers, you know, just because somebody, he prayed over my life, not his. Just because he's gone don't mean those prayers aren't active. And I believe that. I believe that I'm still living it out. And my aunt's prayers because she always wanted me to be used. And every time I met her, she always prayed that same prayer over me. Use him, Lord. Use him. And hopefully he used me here today because that's always my hope that maybe I showed you Jesus in a way you hadn't seen him. Because in all things that we're supposed to do is exalt Christ and that's it. I don't want to sit here and glorify the man I was, but I'd like to glorify God in what he's done. So one of the things that... Uh, never came out in my case with the fire department was drug use. I became addicted to methamphetamine for about 10 years. It was a long haul. That's, that is the most dreadful drug on the face of the planet. Once it puts its hooks in you, it's, uh, I never want to relive that again. And I won't. And I thank God that he saved me from it. I had actually pulled myself away from it there towards the end. but uh, And this addiction caused me to start embezzling money from the fire department. And this addiction also gave me a twisted sense of morality. I wouldn't use the fire department money to buy drugs. I'd just pay my bills with it and use my own money to buy drugs. And I thought that was all right. You know, I thought that's, uh, that's twisted. That's very twisted. But in my, that's to ease my own conscience, right? And to be honest with you, the day it all came down, I was relieved that it uh, finally was ended. And, uh, but it really was just beginning at that point. And my mom and dad never knew I was addicted. They never asked. I never told them. And I never made mention of it. Usually I wouldn't bring it up in my testimony, but it's okay. I can today because I've been delivered. Amen. And in this, you know, I, came, I became a completely different person. I wasn't the same person that I was, and I can't blame the, the devil for this. And then it all came crashing down. And when I, the day I got arrested, I had to get arrested. I got arrested by Pelham Medlock and a uh, sled agent. And most of y'all know Pelham. And uh, he's a gracious man and a godly man. And I thank God that I had him, and I believe God put him in that place to do the things he had to do. But I got arrested, and then it all started coming down. And uh, because every man reaps what he sows. So my parents, I got arrested, and I spent one night in jail. I never wanted to experience that again. And uh, my parents picked me up the next day. Here I am, 38 years old. My mom and dad is picking me up from jail. And... I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed that they had to go through this. I didn't see that coming either. I, I felt like I truly dishonored them and embarrassed them. And then that's when the weight, of, the magnitude of the weight started coming, and I started carrying it. 
And let me tell you what my daddy told me that morning when he come pick me up. He said, son, I don't care what you did. I just want you to let me help you fix it. And he never asked anything else. And that's all he cared about. But I couldn't hear Christ in that. I couldn't hear Jesus in that. Because isn't that what Jesus tells us? I don't care what you did. Just let me fix it. That's the only, that's the only person that could fix it. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. I was still too lost. So I began to carry this weight around for the next two years. And a weight that I thought I could unload by self-medicating with other things and drinking it away. And uh, that weight would eventually make me suicidal. Uh, I was completely spiraling down out of control. I even told my youngest son that I wanted to die. That's the devil. No doubt. And uh, I think he disappeared for a few days. When I got arrested, it tore him up so bad. You don't see none of that. The devil don't show you not one bit of that. Until it starts all crashing down and then you start to experience it. So we eventually lost our house right down here on Key Street. I went into foreclosure. My parents' house over in Centerville was empty. He had bought it. My dad had bought my mom condominium. He knew he was on his way out, so he was setting her up for her life. So we moved in. It was empty. We moved in, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, new house, new start. It got worse. Well, no new start. I started drinking really heavily about every day just to kill my shame. That's where it comes from. You know, I disappointed so many people and let so many people down, and that's hard to carry. It, it takes you down. I went very low to the point where I just wanted to, you know, wrap my truck around a tree. And I would have done that if I didn't think I'd end up being sitting in a wheelchair and being a burden to somebody else for the rest of my life. Every time I'd chicken out. But uh, I did become suicidal on many occasions. And uh, so we moved into that house, and I started drinking every day and trying to kill the pain. And over the next two years, I pushed everything to the breaking point, to the point where my wife Donna had enough. I don't make any apologies for hazing up. This is glorious. What I'm about to share with you is so glorious. She had had enough. So here she is sitting on our back porch drinking wine, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, that, she was medicating too. I was hard to live with. And she prayed this prayer. She said, God, either fix it or take me out of it. And she was channel surfing on this little old TV we had back there. Say what you want to about Joel Osteen. But he popped up. And he looked straight at her and he told her, he said, you know, God heard you. I don't know what you're going through, but God hears your prayers. And boy, did he. The very next day, she went to the grocery store and an old friend of ours named Sheila Powell. We used to run with her in the world and in bars and everything else. She had gotten saved and she was in church and. The Lord spoke to her. She followed Donna home, come into my house, started ministering to her. She brought the Holy Spirit with her. 
because it started dealing with me. It wasn't just dealing with me. It messed with me. The Holy Spirit, this is crazy what I'm fixing to share with you. This is how crazy God is. We can't put him in a box. He's beyond that. He's just, he has no beginning, no end. He's Alpha, Omega. He's, he's everything to us. And this is just so amazing what happened. She started ministering. Well, you know, I was raised in church. And honestly, the the Baptists are great Bible teachers because some of that stuff was in me. I've had a lot of sermons sitting on a bar stool. Uh, you know, I had some word in me. It was probably distorted, <laughs> but I had some word in me. And so I started uh, going back and forth and trying to start arguments with her. I was coming home drunk just about every night. So this was on a, like on a Monday. And so she was there, I think, every day, wasn't she? She came in every day. She told Donna, he's a dead man. He's a dead man walking. And I was. There was not much of me left. I had to destroy my character. My self-esteem, I had nothing. You know, that was a good place for God to start. I'm glad that I, I made it that far down because some people have to hit the wall before they realize what's going on. And some people never do. That's why it's important to somebody like Sheila that heard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, follow her home. There's something you need to do there. So it got... In our house, I actually think the Holy Spirit was there when we moved in. I just probably ran him off because my mom and dad were both uh, Christian people, you know. So the Holy Spirit really started messing with me. And on, on a Friday, I went into a friend of mine's office that I knew walked with the Lord. And I sat down, and I don't remember a whole lot about what I was saying. And uh, he just looked straight at me. He said, when are you going to give up? When are you going to surrender? And uh, I got mad. I said, I don't know, I ain't ready. Because, you know, like everybody else, you think you're supposed to clean yourself up before you can go to church. You know, that's like uh, cleaning the house before you call a maid, ain't it? It doesn't work that way. But that's the way I always thought that I had to, you know, I wasn't ready. I had to get myself straight and in a position. I didn't understand that he would do that for you. So I left there on that Friday and then... Saturday, she'd been in the house, and I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. Um, they got to talking about going to church, and they didn't invite me. And uh, I don't know if y'all know Kiki Tant. He's uh, at New Life Christian Center on 28 Bypass. The name Kiki struck a bell with me. I'm like, what is he, Hawaiian? I need to go. I need a. I wanted to go to church just to see what somebody named Kiki looked like. That was my excuse. But the Holy Spirit was messing with me the whole time. I didn't even know it. Too stupid to know it, really. And uh, that Saturday, I went to my favorite watering hole. I think I had 17 mixed drinks. Got behind the wheel of the car and drove home. And uh, I got home, and uh, they were talking about going to church. And this is this is strange. I made everybody get in the floor on their knees. Here I am. I can't even hardly hold my head up and pray. Now I wasn't a bit more thinking about God until this started taking place in our house and the Holy Spirit came in. And uh, so we got to the floor. I can't even tell you what we prayed. And I got up from there and I went over and I grabbed this card and I wrote something on it and I stuck it back on the mantle. And I told them I was going to church with them. And I did. I went. I had no inkling of getting saved, didn't even know what I was fixing to walk into. And... Uh, so we went to church that Sunday morning, and um, they played contemporary music there. They had uh, the bass and the guitars and 
drums and I liked it because I've been a sound man for a rock band for years and it was just right up my alley. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And uh, the music was was good. You know, I liked it. And I think it softened me up some. That's what praise does anyway. Get you softened up. So the preacher got up, this guy named Kiki, and he, he wasn't Hawaiian. <laughs> Little short fella. And he got up and uh, he had a message called Blank Check. And he started preaching this message, and the gist of it was, is he said, you know what, God will give you a blank check. And he says, whatever you write on it, God will cash it. And he started going down the list, your character. All these things that I had messed up and had lost, he was naming them all. And I started getting mad. I started getting mad because I thought Sheila had told him all my business. But that's God at work. It was a perfect message. And actually, the message was directed at the youth. They were having some kind of problem with the youth, and he was talking about character and godly character. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, I need all that so bad. I, I, there's, I don't have any of that left. And uh, so the message ended, and there was no altar call, and they started up the music, and I went to stand up, and I couldn't stand and I fell in the floor, right in an aisle. And I thought I heard the voice of the Lord saying, I ain't calling you no more. Because he would already called me several times. I already knew it. And to be honest with you, every time he'd call me, the demons would come out of the woodwork and start attacking me. And as long as I'd go back to doing yeah, they're real. And as long as I'd go back to doing the same thing, they'd leave me alone, and I'd have peace about it. So he called several times, and I, I just fell out of my seat in the floor. And by the time I hit the floor, Sheila grabbed me. What a glorious day, because I'm going to tell you something. In an instant, all of that came off. The weight I'd been carrying for those three years, it, it, it disappeared. And it was, the, God, it was the most heavenly experience I ever had in my entire life. I'd like to stay there. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but there was no altar call. There was no just as I am. There was no sinner's prayer. All I did was surrender. And I knew that I had been changed. And, uh, boy, did it change. You know, when I got up out of the floor, I didn't smoke cigarettes anymore. I'd, my addictions had left. He doesn't do that for everybody. Some people get saved and they still struggle. I know I go down here to labors of the field and preach to these these guys struggling um, drug addicts and alcoholics down there. And they struggle. And the struggle is real. But I'm going to tell you something. He snatched all of that from me in an instant. I had a pornography addiction. I went home and destroyed 700 hours of pornography that day. It's gone. Never looked at it again since. And uh, we got up on the floor. I got up on the floor, and I just knew I was changed. I just knew I, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know. I can't sit here and tell you, yeah, explain the doctrine of being born again. All I know is uh, I was born again. It was later I figured out what that was. When I started reading the Word and finding out, you know, I was, I was in the Word going, what happened to me? Because something, this is glorious, something happened, and I wanted to, I wanted to stay there. I wanted to stay right there. And... uh so we got ready to leave, and it dawned on me. I told Donna, I said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, you are not. You know, this is crazy, y'all. I'm just telling you, this is crazy right here. 
I said, you're not going to believe this. She said, what? I said, you're not going to believe what I wrote on that card. I remembered. I would forgot all about it until we got in the car and we were going home. And we went home and we opened the door and I took that card. I took it off the mantle. You know what it said? As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I wrote that drunk. I wrote that out of my mind. I wrote that completely lost. That's how crazy the Holy Spirit. I'm just what I'm saying. He wasn't dealing with me. He was messing with me. That messed with my brain so bad. But I was so happy about it. And it just, uh, it's mind blowing. Don't give up on your loved ones. Keep praying for them. If they lost, just keep praying because those prayers are active and he hears every single one of them. No doubt. If he can hear the woman sitting on the back porch smoking cigarettes and drinking wine, you'll hear all of them because that changed. I, and I credit it to that. That one prayer that she prayed changed everything, changed our household, changed our life. You got to understand something. Me and my oldest son hated each other. We threatened to kill each other. I don't know how many times standing in my living room. It mended all of that. We love each other to this day. We couldn't stand each other because we were both drug addicts. And it'd come between us. I never did drugs with my children. For some reason, I wouldn't cross that line. I done crossed every other one. But I tell you something. For me today, to stand in front of the community that I robbed is further redemption. See, God set this up. How could I say no? I knew what this was about. This is probably more for me than it is for anybody. You know, I told you that I thought I had dishonored my father. He never looked at it that way. My dad never looked at it that way. He, from that day forward, he only wanted to help me fix it. And I finally heard it. And I finally heard it. The words of Christ. I don't care what you did. Just let me fix it. Those are the greatest words I ever heard. So when he passed, when my daddy passed, I got to preach his funeral. And that was the highest honor that I could ever give him back. So God was in the redemption. My redemption is ongoing. How about yours? He redeems us from all kinds of things we don't even see. And and we don't even know. He saved me. And guess what? You want to hear something even more crazy? Do I got time? When they when SLED came into my house and they took my computers and all this stuff that had anything to do with the fire department, that same day I got a phone call from one of the arson investigators for Anderson County. And he called me, and we were at the beach. They come into my house. My son was there. And uh, he, he called me, and he said, when you get back to Anderson, I want you to go get this lawyer. I didn't hesitate. When I got back, I went and got this lawyer that he told me to go get so we paid the, the attorney, and when I went to court, I went by myself. I wouldn't let my wife go, wouldn't let my family go. I did the crime by myself. My chief, Terry never knew. Nobody in the fire department knew. She didn't even know what I was doing. I kept it all private. So I stood alone because I felt like that's what I needed to do. And some of the firemen were there, and I was so embarrassed to stand in front of them and, uh, and ashamed. And I pled guilty. And I told the judge, point blank, I did it. Now, I stole almost $30,000, but the day that I went to court, I had already paid it back. It was sitting in the lawyer's account. So I want you to know that all of that went before I ever went to trial. Because I had it. I had a big old 401K. I could have paid it back any time and covered the whole thing up. You know, 
I don't know why I didn't. It's just one of those things that you, you put back, right? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it later. When you're lost and you're not thinking clearly. But So I went and got this attorney. And so on my court date, we went into the court the courtroom. And you know, I'm, I'm facing 10 years. I'm starting to think about not being able to walk out of my house and see my mama. The impact and the magnitude of it is unbearable. And I'm sitting there. And my, my attorney gets up and leaves with the judge, and they go out, and the people in the court go, hey, where did the judge go? He's supposed to be back in here. So my attorney and the judge is gone, and then the prosecutor comes over, and he puts his arm around me. I don't know him from Adam's house cat. He said, I want you to just calm down. Don't worry about a thing. He said, you're probably going to get some probation, and, and you've already paid the restitution, and that's all they're asking for. And I'm thinking to myself, until the judge says so, I could hear every conversation in that room. I could hear, I heard, I mean, everybody was talking. It was, it's just so intense. So here comes my lawyer and the judge back in, and they're laughing and carrying on. And he comes over, and he sits down beside me, and he says, hey, don't worry about it. It's taken care of. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, me and the judge were partners for 25 years. And I said, well, he said, well, if he cracks a joke, just laugh. I said, I couldn't laugh if I was forced to laugh. I said, you know, I said, until he... Until he says what he says, I said, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. Until he says it's a done deal. What I want you to see in that is see, I didn't see any of what God was doing, but God was there. God was in the midst of that. That's why I'm telling you, you get on the other side of the cross, you start looking back. How many of you know that I had hired an attorney that somebody told me to go get that was a friend of the court? He was a friend of the judge. How many of you know that we have an advocate with the Father? That we have... An advocate, that's what, that makes intercession for us daily. Daily. To say that Jesus condemns us is to say he's not in heaven. And he's not making intercession because intercession is the opposite of condemnation. So here I am looking back at this going, wow. And that's what happens. God turns you around and gets you look at it and you're lost as the day is long because from that day it still took another two years before I came to him. But he was orchestrating and he was working. And you know why? Because Donna's mama was going to need a place to live. Because she came and moved in with us five years and God had to straighten my house out. I believe that with all my heart. Her, her daddy had died and her mama had been taking care of him for all this time and now he was gone. And she, and she got into bad health and, hey, we had a house and, and God straightened it out for us. And straightened it out for her because he loved her too. And that's where I met him. And I love you. And I appreciate you coming to see her because it really meant a lot to her. But that's, it's just crazy how God works through people's lives, you know. And, you know, to get a call from the prosecution to say, hey, go get this attorney. God ordained every bit of that. And I ended up with a friend of the court. And now I got a friend named Jesus of the highest court in the land. And you know what he found? He didn't find me not guilty. He found me innocent because he didn't care what I did the first time. All he wanted to do was fix it. And you know what? He did. And today, he's further fixing it. Because, see, I can stand here today because here's the thing. I'm forgiven this way. There's no question about that. That's a done deal. But this way, we got work to do, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. we got work to do. So I can stand before the community today and tell you I'm sorry. I'm sorry I took your money. I've repented for it. I've been saved. But I get to apologize today. And that's just 
That's the work. And I tell you what, I've ran into some of the firemen over the years thinking that they hate my guts. That thinking, you know, it's, sometimes I dodge them in Walmart just to, just to spare me the shame, even after I've been saved. And you know what I found when I ran into them? Forgiveness. I haven't ran into one yet that hasn't forgiven me. And there's been a couple. Y'all know Donnie Hart. I figured he'd never forgive me, but all y'all laughing because y'all know what I'm talking about. And I ran into him where he works. And I went up and I had tears in my eyes. This has been, you know, 14, what? Almost 17 years ago. Yeah. And I grabbed him by the hand and I asked Donnie, I said, Donnie, will you forgive me for what I did? He said, man, I forgave you the day you did it. He said, why can I hold that against you? And it blew me away. And that's the whole thing about knowing that you're forgiven. You know, the whole world's forgiven. You just got to receive it. You just got to receive it. It's a choice. Amen. It is definitely a choice. So in my heart today, I'm glad. Why? Because this is like God putting the last stroke on a painting of a chapter of my life. And that chapter's closed. Amen. This is ordained. Made me a happy man to see some of you Broadway firemen here. And Preston, it's been a long time since I've seen you. And I've often wondered, you know, if you still cared. But I see that you're here and I know that it does. And that's what uh, really blessed me. And thank you. Thank all of you for coming today. There's some really good guys in these fire departments, y'all. And they'll put their life on the line every day. I've been around it. That's one of the things that the devil didn't show me is I can't be one no more. I'll ruin that. I'm pretty sure they won't let me back in. And let me finish with this. Two years ago in November, I applied for a pardon for the state of South Carolina. They accepted my application. I went down two years ago, stood before the pardon board. And it's kind of funny because uh, it's very intimidating. There's a table full of suits. You know what I'm talking about? These people, I'm not talking about cheap suits. These people are handpicked by the governor. And you go plead your case before about 12 men and women. And I went in, and they got this little, little small table sitting right in front of this long table, and all of them are sitting around it. And it had a, it had a box of Kleenex sitting on it. And I just I, I smiled at them. I just moved that over. I said, we're not going to be needing those today. and Because uh, I guess people cry their way through it. But that was not my intent. And God ordained it. And uh, when they asked me what changed, I preached the gospel. And the guy on the end was a believer, and he lit up like a Christmas tree. Boy, his, he just started grinning from ear to ear, and I just let it. I, I said, let me tell you what changed. I said, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. And uh, praise God, I didn't get two steps out the door, and the porter come out and said, you got your pardon. So that was God as well. So I did get a pardon from the from the state of South Carolina. And God's in the redemptive business. He plans to have us fully redeemed when he comes back to get us. And Lord have mercy, it could be tomorrow. And I'd be all right with it. Because this place is getting wicked. Amen. I'm going to pray. That's all right. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this love that's so crazy that we don't, that our little minds can't even wrap around it. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come down here and share what you've done in my life, my house, and my wife's life. Father, I thank you that uh, 
as people make salvation so hard that you make it simple just by believing in the one whom he had sent. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this church down here in Holman Park, and I thank you for its pastor. Father, I thank you that it's blessed going and coming, and I thank you that everybody that can hear my voice today is blessed, for it says in your word that we have received all spiritual blessings, Father. Teach us to walk in those blessings every day. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thank you.